You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. If, 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 if your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue, 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 blue this, this is the pod, is the for, pod you. for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. We're back to streaking again. It's Knicks basketball we're talking about here on Orange and Blue Bloods. DJ Stewart, Tommy Beard with you guys. Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast hosted by WFAN and Odyssey, a podcast you can get wherever you get your podcast, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto-download feature on your streaming service so you can get these episodes. Every time we drop, we drop three times a week. This is our last episode for this week, and Tommy... Great way to end the week when you talk about a Knicks win over the Celtics. I mean, it doesn't really get much better than that, especially an overtime win. I mean, just elated, elated to do the podcast today. Never in doubt. Never in doubt, EJ. No Knicks fan was worried. They knew all along that they cruised to a nice, easy victory. And, uh, yeah, I thought uh, that contest was um, just in a perfect, you know, encapsulation of, of just kind of the Knicks 2023, 2022-2023 season, which has been a roller coaster. That game was a roller coaster um, and gives us plenty to talk about. Yes, we will be breaking down that win. And thank God we have that game to talk about because we also got to talk about uh, James Dolan's first on-camera interview in years. And he touched on a lot. It was controversial. It was at times a little bizarre. And we'll get into all that as well. And as we close NBA Rivals Week, the Knicks have another primetime matchup. This will be a Saturday afternoon affair against the Brooklyn Nets on national TV. So anytime Knicks and Nets play, you know that's always going to be a big deal. So we'll break down uh, and preview that matchup for Saturday. So a lot to get to on this episode, but let's get right to it. So the Knicks earned arguably their biggest win of the season, defeating the Boston Celtics at the TD Garden. Thursday night, the Knicks overcame a 15-point first-quarter deficit to go up 12 with just five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. The Celtics would storm back and force the game to overtime. The Knicks then had to overcome a five-point deficit in overtime to find a way to steal the road win. Julius Randle, a monster game, another one, 37 points in this one. Jalen Brunson added 29. R.J. Barrett had a really rough shooting night. He did score 19 points, but... The biggest shot of the evening might have been that corner three he had to put the Knicks up by one point with 29 seconds left. So uh, you had Randall and Barrett contributing big ways in overtime. Both of those guys hitting clutch free throws. And unlike most other Knicks games, it was the other team that missed clutch free throws. You had Jalen Brown missing two clutch free throws down the stretch that would have put the Celtics ahead late in the game. Knicks were able to hold on and win. So, Tommy, I asked right out the gate here, is this the biggest win of the Knicks season so far? Yeah, I, I think it qualifies. Um, you got to, you know, playing the team with the best record in the NBA on the road, national television. Um, it has all the all the components there and, and just kind of how it played out, I think, adds to the uniqueness and the, and the specialness of the victory. Um, I think you could have argued Tuesday's win over the Cavs was the biggest win of the season up to that point, you know, maybe along with the, the previous win over Cleveland. Um, but but for all those factors and more, I think. Um, uh, Thursday night's victory over Boston um, was a, a very much needed victory. Um, and, and, you know, again, I think when the Knicks play at their best, they can play with anybody. And we saw that again Thursday night. Yeah, it was funny in the post postgame. Uh, Randall had said that, you know, this game proves that they can uh, beat anybody and that they can lose to anybody because we've seen the Knicks uh, lose to teams like the Spurs. And we've seen them obviously beating out the team right now, the NBA's best record in the Boston Celtics. And one thing I will say about this game that stood out to me was I think the Knicks have shown when they've been at their best is when they can lean on their defense. And that's what we saw in this game. Like the Knicks put together a really strong defensive game, really much, pretty much 
outside of the beginning of the first quarter when the Celtics were just raining threes. And it looked like it was going to be a long evening. It looked like it was, might, might be a 20-point blowout uh, the way it started. Julius Randle, first of all, much props to him for keeping the team afloat in that first quarter. Um, but it didn't look good after that first quarter, really first five minutes or so. And then after that, it was a defensive clinic really for the rest of the game. And I think even including the last five minutes where Knicks just stopped scoring. That's why the Celtics came back and won. It wasn't like Knicks defense was that terrible. They, the Celtics just uh, – Knicks just offense just went into just prevent. It was it was crazy how they talked about how they finished that regulation, and we'll talk about that in a second. But to me, the Knicks and their defense, the way they were able to lean on it for much of this game, the way they leaned on it in overtime uh, when the offense was still struggling – the Knicks only had two field goals in this overtime. It was a three-pointer from Randall, and it was that clutch three-pointer from R.J. Barrett. The rest of their points were free throws. Um, the Knicks had a long stretch in that overtime where they were not scoring, and they held serve, and they kept themselves in the game because they kept getting stops. So um, we saw when they went on that eight-game winning streak how the defense turned around. We saw when they went on other winning streaks that they've been uh, solid defensively. And to do that without Mitchell Robinson, I think we'll also – uh, let the players know that, hey, just because Mitch is out doesn't mean we can't play top-notch defense. Uh, Grimes was, I thought, great defensively. Missed some open threes that he's got to make, but great defensively. I thought quickly was great, both offensively and defensively. Uh, Barrett struggled in the first half. I thought he did a really good job of Brown in the second half defensively. And I, I thought that that was really a big key to this game. We'll talk about the offense, but the Knicks being able to defend these guys uh, was was very impressive in this one. Yeah, definitely. For me, the, the main takeaway – was thinking about this game again, just it kind of epitomized what we've seen this season. Bad start, just, you know, bad start. We've seen it before. It was also a bad start to the season. Down 15 points in the first quarter, too many open threes, um, you know, not switching fast enough. Um, you know, it's good effort, but but obviously not enough, um, you know, to, to slow down a, a very good Boston Celtics team. In that first quarter, however, Julius Randle puts the team on his back, scores 14 points, keeps him with in punching distance. Second unit comes in in the second quarter, led by IQ, their best bench player, one of their best all-around players. Obi gives them a spark, um, you know, and, and all of a sudden they're back in the game uh, uh, within uh, two points at halftime. Third yeah. quarter, Randle and Brunson go to work. Uh, 27 points combined for those two guys. Uh, 14 and 13 respectively on just, uh, you know, 27 points on, on 14 field goal attempts, um, build out a big lead. Um, eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. McBride hits a pair of free throws. Again, he contributed defensively, got his hands on, on, on yeah. some passing, you know, just, just aggressive defensively all night, helped set the tone. Um, and, uh, you know, the Knicks are up 13, eight minutes left, and no Nick fan felt confident because we've seen this time and time and time and time again. Um, again, as you mentioned, offense stagnates. Um, too many high pick and rolls. They're trying to melt the clock. With There's still five minutes left, six minutes left, yeah. four minutes left. You can tell they're trying to, you know, wait. You cannot go. Yeah, I mean, you, you, Tommy, I don't know if you saw. I mean, there was plays where Jalen Brunson was walking the dog. With like five minutes left, you know, where he's trying to run the clock with the shot clock not running. And to me, that that set like a mindset of like, like that was a bad mindset to me. Like I get to, you know, from a from a statistical standpoint, yeah, you want to run some clock. But like it's five minutes left in the game. What are you doing walking the dog at that point? When I, I say walking the dog, people don't know. That's when you roll the ball out and the player doesn't pick it up until, you know, the defender comes close to them. That way you can run the time clock without running the shot clock. It's a way that you know John Morant's doing it a bunch this year, and that's been a, a topic of conversation. But Brunson was doing it with like six minutes left in the game. You could tell definitely that it's in their heads, it's in their psyche, it's in the fans' head, it's in Tibbs' head, it's in Randall's head, it's in Brunson's head, and it manifested itself un unsurprisingly. I mean, the numbers are incredible. Um, over the final two forty-five of uh, oh, the final two thirty of the fourth quarter, through the final two minutes, uh, through the first two minutes fifteen seconds of overtime. The Knicks didn't score a point. That that's a four minute forty five second stretch where they didn't not not just didn't have a three or a two or they didn't score a point. Celtics outscored them thirteen to zero. Um, you mentioned they won a game in overtime where they didn't have a two point field goal. I'm not sure how many times <laughs> it's done. I'm not sure when the last time it's been done. Yeah. Um, but all that being said, 
the Knicks found a way to win. I mean, that's a gritty, gutty win. You know, that's an impressive, in certain respects, it's, you know, frustrating for Knicks fans because we've seen the type of things that had tripped them up. Um, but they got stops when they needed to. Sims with the big block at the end of regulation. Um, R.J. Barrett, after a po very poor defensive first half, was did a better job getting locked in um, on Jalen Brown and um, – did give up that layup to Brown with about a minute right. left. That, that was a poor defensive play. Uh, got caught sleeping. But uh, all things considered, um, you mentioned Grimes. I don't know if it's possible for a player to miss every important three-pointer he takes <laughs> and hold the guy he's guarding to just 35 points, you know. No. But if, if it's possible, Grimes had a good game. Um, yeah. Because he, he can pet. And I, and I think he's going to knock down those shots. Um, but again. We've seen, know, it, we've seen him knock down those shots this season. You know, <laughs> that, 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 that game, it just wasn't falling for him. And, and part of it is because, again, they it's 11 seconds before they even get into their offense. So Grimes right. catches it with 1.3 left on the shot clock. He's got a rush. Um, so, you know, so are they, you know, not even really tightly contested, but, you know, got a factor in the, the time and pressure of the situation. Um, again, all that being said, down 115, 110. Every Knicks fan knew New York was losing that game. I mean, they yeah. were dead in the water. I mentioned they hadn't scored in five minutes. Um, Randall comes down, hits a three, clutch three. They get three more stops. Barrett has had a terrible game. Six, five for 17 in the game up to that point. Corner three, Brunson finds him, nails it, puts the Knicks up one. And then lost them kind of the, 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 the drama. There were six free throws taken in the last 20 seconds of that game. Brunson, uh, Randall made two, Barrett yep. made two, and Jalen Brown missed two. Um, and you know, well, again, Jalen Brown, five for five in the game, a good free throw shooter. Um, we talked about it, it's funny, you know, we talked about the two minute report coming out after we after we recorded our pod on Wednesday after Tuesday's yes. game. It, it turns out that the league thought uh, Donovan Mitchell <laughs> fouled, the Knicks got away with one, whatever the case yeah. might be. Um, I thought that was questionable. Um, but again, it had been the Knicks this season that had missed the big free throws. We kind of see the maybe the luck for this team starting to change. That's two games in a row where you think, think anything that could go wrong against the Knicks has gone wrong. Now it's going against the other team. And, and again, all things considered, Tibbs gets credit. Sims gets credit for yeah. 14 boards. Um, defensive intensity, Obi provided a spark game high plus minus um just a lot to like there and i think that the, the thing you like most outside of randall who deserves a line share of credit and we'll talk about yes. his numbers because he's just on another level right now um a gritty gutty win um that that as a fan you re, you, you take a sigh of relief and then you're like yeah I'm, I'm proud of this team and you talk about giving those guys credit and you mentioned thibodeau and i will i will join you in that because that's that the end of that first quarter that second quarter came you know the knicks are down and he played Obi Toppin 10 minutes straight in the first quarter. Now, you know, if you don't pay attention to the season, you may think, what's the big deal about playing Obi Toppin 10 minutes straight? But considering how great Randall played in that first quarter and for Tibbs to have the restraint to not pull Obi quick as the team was playing well in that second unit, that second unit did a great job uh, in that game. My second game in a row, they did a great job. Yes. Um, and he he left him out there. I, it got to a point where I, I was at like two minutes. I'm like, all right, we need to get Randall back in there. Like, right. he was the best player on the floor. Like, they kind of need him to get back in. But to me, like, that was great because I think that that in some ways, you know, obviously they had those struggles that I think had nothing to do with fatigue. It was more about execution. Right. But I think that's why he played so great in the second half. Like, he he came out in that third quarter, and him and Brunson were boogieing because those guys had rest. Like, those guys were 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 rested. They got a, a extended amount of time on the bench, and. Because the way the Celtics manage their roster and how those guys get usually considered my rest, I thought it allowed them to, to kind of remain even with them. It wasn't as if, you know, Tatum sitting for a bunch of this game and Randall's playing every minute and then you get to the end of the game and now Randall's exhausted and their best player has only played 30 minutes. Like, it, it, it was a lot more even and that's why the Knicks were ahead for, for, uh, for a good portion of that fourth quarter until, you know, they went back to the, 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 the slowdown isolation heavy offense yeah randall only had 32 minutes played at the end of regulation you know tack on another five for overtime but that i mean that's ideal that's that i, I would prefer i think we both would prefer to see obi and randall share the floor a little bit together right. um but again it's a this is a results-based business um so if you you get the w um and yes i agree you know randall made knock down two free throws he didn't he didn't play it to, right you know i think that you know part of that you know he knocked down that big three in in overtime um would he have done that if his legs were you know a little more tired 
scared? I, I don't know, but um, it's a good sign and, and credit to Tibbs for uh, monitoring and keeping a point on it. Um, I agree with you that that extended run in the second quarter. Again, Obi had been playing less than 11 minutes per game for this last five uh, Yeah, years. it's crazy. So to see him play 10 minutes consecutively was certainly notable. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know what went into it. I, I did not hear if, if one of the reporters asked him why that happened. It may have just been that you know Sakim like was playing that well and they were playing right. well with Obi. But again, like Tibbs has not done that in the past. Like there have been times where Sakim like, was played well with Obi and it didn't matter. Randall was coming back in at that six minute mark in the second quarter. So the yeah. fact that he just left Obi out there was great because they played really well with him. But surprising. I do want to talk about Randall before we. I do want to mention that offensive stagnation a little bit uh, in a second as well, but. I do want to touch on Randall because now you're seeing Randall. This is now not like a hot streak. This is now not um, you know, a good month. This is starting to become a great season for Julius Randall. Uh, and, and it was kind of ironic to, to listen to the pregame at TNT and Shaq can't get his name right. And then, you know, Randall goes out there and puts up uh, a 37 point, you know, masterclass against the best team in the NBA. And we've talked a lot about, you know, is this a guy that you should sell high on? Um, is this a guy that's a true star? And I think both of us in many ways have said, yes, you should trade him. And no, he's not a true star. But now seeing how he's played at this point, like have we undersold Randall where he's placed in this league? Like I, I look at that voting in the All-Star game yesterday, and I don't care much about the fans, but I'm looking at the, 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 the player vote. And, you know, I think he was like ninth or eighth. I think he was ninth among front court players. Uh, for the all-star game which is not a great sign if that's any kind of indication of what will happen with the coaches though that may just be just something totally independent but like I- i'm wondering like is he vastly underrated at this point like, is he a star in this league because he looked like a star in that game and he looked like a star for the last three months really yeah i, I mean listen um the players i think chet holgram got three votes as as an all-star <laughs> right. starter um yeah. you know so I, I again i try not to put too much weight um in, in that nonsense but um as far as randall goes um i, I listen uh, last month it's a six that's a 16 game sample size he's averaging 28.6 points 14 rebounds 4.7 assists 3.4 made three-pointers averages. During that 16-game stretch, he's had either 30 points and or 15 rebounds in 15 of those 16 games. During the span, again, this is dating back to January, uh, December 27th, Randall leads the NBA in double-doubles, leads the NBA in rebounds, has 31 more rebounds than any player, in, uh, any other player in the league. He's fifth in points scored behind only Dame Lillard, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, and LeBron James. And he's fourth in made three-pointers behind only Buddy Heald, C.J. McCollum, and, and Damon Lillard. He's also dished out more assists than Shea Gilders, Alexander, and Terry Rozier. This guy is it, – it, it's this is the best month of basketball he's played in his career. Yes. And that includes the, his, his All-NBA campaign when he, was, when he was, you know, All-NBA second team. That's one of the 10 best players in the NBA. In my mind, we got to start talking about where does this rank for a month of – dominant performance in in nba in nick's franchise history you know right. going back certainly this this century um you know compare that with with Mello's best month compare that with steph marbury's best month the, the, what the 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 brand of basketball julius randall's playing right now shockingly so um is exceeding anybody's wildest expectations. So to me, you know, I understand Reggie Miller, who's probably watched seven minutes of Knicks basketball this season, <laughs> right. um, you know, thinking that he's on the borderline. And you saw even um, Reggie Miller's ballot had too many guards on it. It was, you know, I think. Yeah, people, I don't know why people don't understand the rules, man. They're not that hard. I know I'm an all-star game fundamentalist, but like he had like six guards. And it's, and it's one thing for, you know, the casual fan, like, oh, that's interesting. It's another thing for a guy who gets paid to analyze the league. But that's neither here nor there, a topic of conversation for another day. Randall's going to make the all-star team. A lot of it has to do with the fact that there's, you know, limited, you know, uh, talent base at the at the forward position. Um, right. But Randall's going to make the all-star team. Whether Brunson, whether they both do or not is certainly up for debate. Um, and we'll we'll talk about that in the, in the days and weeks ahead. Um, but to me, you can't give enough credit to Julius Randall for the win last night for the month he's had uh, and for his performance over the first three months of the season. Uh, again, he's, he's averaging more points, more rebounds, 
has a higher true shooting percentage, fewer turnovers than he did during his his all NBA campaign, and um, it's it really is remarkable to see. As 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 I don't know if I if I've seen a player in New York in my lifetime go from that high to that low back to that high because we've seen guys go high and then you know fall off the cliff and get traded or not handle New York yeah. to see him you know whether it's uh, whether it's the the meditation or the you know whatever yeah. he's got going on um, credit to him because it, it, it and one one other thing I just as I was thinking of it um, I retweeted a clip of um, Breen's incredible intro to the January 26th game from three years ago, the day we lost Kobe. Um, and I can't believe yeah. it's been three years. Uh, had me yeah. messed up thinking about it yesterday. Um, but Breen's intro to that game, you could, he's, he's crying and, he, and he's emotional. Yeah. Um, one of the players in the clip, obviously, is, is Julius Randle. And he looks so much skinnier. So credit to Randle for really getting an incredible shape. Um, he's a just he's he, he undergoes a pounding, gets fouled, um, does the dirty work on, on the glass. And a lot of that's due that he's put himself in position to be successful due to being in incredible shape and, and again, playing a ton of minutes and not looking the least bit worn out yet. Yeah, nothing but the highest praise for, for Julius Randle. And yes, of course, RIP to Kobe Bryant and Gigi Bryant. We lost three years ago uh, as of uh, Thursday of this week. So. Yeah, much much prayers to them. It's, it's, it was kind of I, – I, you know, I, I was reminded earlier in the day, and I was re-reminded again when I saw Tatum wearing the uh, yeah. Kobe armband. I was like, oh, that's yeah. right. You know, this is, that's one of his guys. So, yeah. yeah. But – um, and Joe Julius talked about before the game that he said that, uh, you know, he talked about it with his wife and that, you know, the, the death weighed heavy on him in that on that day. Uh, and, and for that game they had on Thursday because he was a teammate of Kobe Bryant. Like, his wife actually – his wife actually posted on Instagram – um, Randall went to mass a half an hour before he got on the team bus for the Celtics game and lit a candle for Kobe and Gigi and said like, it was clearly like in his thoughts throughout the day. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we know how much that meant to him. And I think that, uh, he would did the mama proud with how he played yeah. in that game for sure. And, and I guess, uh, one last thing we, we've touched on a lot of the positive. We you know, uh, first of all, IQ, I think unsung hero in this game. I mean, he, yes. he was, he was spectacular and he, he looks like, a, like a very good player. Like to me, like, like I'm watching him now and I watch that game and, and you watch some of the other games he's had. And it's like, this guy, I'm watching him in that game. Like he's going to win six man of the year at some point in his career. If he stays in New York, he will be the six man of the year. Like he, I mean, the, his ability to get into the paint, the floater now is just money. He makes it every time. Uh, Malcolm Brown's a 10 year veteran and could win six man of the year this year. Is it one yeah. of the strong kind Right. IQ was far better than him last night. Look, yeah, he was playing bang him was in that just game. A, 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 both ends of the floor. He's a demon defensively. Um, IQ, absolutely. Yeah, so he was spectacular. I mean, he I want to make sure he gets a lot of praise for how he played in this game. But um, but that offensive stagnation, I will say this. Tibbs actually acknowledged it in the postgame. He said that the offense got too slow, which was great. Because I don't know how many times they've asked him about this stuff, and he yes. normally kind of just deflects it and says, "Well, you know, something, something, uh, team game or something, something. We got to rebound." So they're deflecting from the issue, and he noted that, "Hey, the offense got way too slow down the stretch, and that was why Boston came back." I hope that that is a sign of maybe things to come that maybe they will harpen on that. Like, you know, the timeouts were a little weird, so he only had one timeout down the stretch. It wasn't like he bungled it or anything he just only had one timeout so there was a long stretch where he they had to just keep playing so i don't know how he can't really yell at them hey you know run your offense faster so i'm not even gonna kill him so much for that game but i'm hoping that like as the game goes forward and as they watch film i assume today that he's drilling that hey this walk it up and just one four high or one four pick and roll with randall to just get a switch and try to work one-on-one that that they just got to throw that out in the garbage. Like, that is just not how you can execute plays. Like, the end of the game in regulation, they didn't run any plays. Like, there were, like, two plays in a row where Brunson just dribbled the ball for 20 seconds. They didn't – one play, they didn't get a shot in in, in regulation. Like, the Knicks have shown that if they defend and if they continue to move the ball, they could win a, a good hand a good handful of games this season. They, they, they will never win – games like that again if they continue to play that way down the stretch i'm hoping that tibbs acknowledging it is a sign that 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 will change at the very least you, shots go in shots don't go in that's fine to to just not run any sets to to not get a shot up like that that's that's egregious it's been happening all year 
So great win, but I, I'm hoping that they do find a way to figure that out because that was that would have been a disastrous loss if they find a way to lose that game because of how that offense slowed down. Exactly. And again, the proof's in the pudding. There's a reason they built a 13-point lead over the first 40 minutes of the game and the last exactly. eight minutes, you know, again, uh, they, they just fail to get good shots. Every shot is late in the shot clock. Um, I, I was meaning to take a look this morning on – the time the, the time at which a shot was attempted and i guarantee you over the first 40 minutes it's a lot closer to 24 uh, whereas over the last 8 minutes and overtime it's a lot closer to zero um yeah. you know so that, that, that's again and and i and i've looked at the numbers in the past their passes per quarter are, are decreased dramatically which is correlates to a poor offensive rating um in the fourth quarter compared to other quarters so um as you as you know it's been a season long issue um it's been a season long issue and they haven't corrected it coming into thursday night we'll see if they correct it um a lot yeah. of its mentality and and mindset it starts to get in your head it's harder to get out um but again if they lose the game taking shots that they're comfortable that they that they were successful over the first you know the first 45 minutes you you, you can deal with that um you know rims you know it's a little bit you get a little bit tighter a little more pressure it happens um but again what you don't want is to abandon things that have been successful in an effort to pray that the minutes run off the clock and seconds tick right. off the clock. It's just not a, it's, it's not a means it's not a successful recipe for, for a victory. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see if they, if they figure that out, but the Knicks do win, improve their record to 27 and 23. They are just a half game behind the heat for the sixth and most important uh, playoff spot because that avoids the play-in situation. So, um, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The season is still trucking along. Just when you think that it's going one way, it goes a totally different way. We talked about how big the schedule, tough the schedule was getting, how Knicks could be in a lot of trouble. They beat two of the best teams in the Eastern Conference in back-to-back games. Uh, so we'll see what happens. We'll talk about their next matchup against the Nets in a little bit. But first, James Dolan speaks. So uh, Thursday started with fireworks of a different kind for the Knicks. James Dolan, the team owner, uh, had his first on-camera interview touching on a, a range of topics, first one he's had in years, on a, a range of topics regarding uh, the MSG's use of facial recognition technology. This is a story that people have been covering for the last couple of months. Um, also talked about the Knicks play this season. So a lot covered in this interview. At times, like I said, it was bizarre. At times, it was um, interesting, to say the least. So Speaking with Fox 5 New York, Dolan defended Madison Square Garden's policy of banning lawyers engaged in litigation against the company from attending sporting events, and he railed against politicians attempting to end that policy through um, laws, essentially. So people don't know, because we haven't really talked about it much, because we're a basketball podcast, and this is not basketball, but the owner did speak, so we got to mention it. Um, MSG has people suing them, because they're a major corporation, so companies get sued. And it seems like Madison Garden is taking a, a leap that most people seem to see as a little bit maybe overreach, which is being challenged, which is why lawmakers are looking into it, with the fact that they're using facial recognition technology, which is designed to essentially keep out terrorists, keep out people who are violent at MSG, people who are banned for reasons that anyone could understand. And now they're using it to ban lawyers who are part of firms that are suing Mad Square Garden, essentially a, a sense of retaliation. So Dolan defended that. He kind of made an analogy saying, well, if you're a baker and someone's suing you, are you going to let them into your bakery? That was his analogy he used. Uh, he also, which was crazy um, and interesting, he threatened to stop serving alcohol at an upcoming sporting event 
as a way to highlight the state liquor authorities' complaint against uh, the Madison Square Garden policy. They had said that, you know, because you're a public company, you, you can't, you know, deny service and, you know, have a liquor license in the state. And Dolan hold the, held a picture of the gentleman who is the executive chair of the liquor authority and said, you know, I'm going to do a game where there's going to be no liquor and we're going to hand out this flyer and say, hey, call this guy if you have a problem with this policy. So uh, a lot of, you know, mess, to say the least, with the Dolan stuff regarding Mass Square Garden and some of their policies on the Knicks side, which is the side that, you know, I think most fans are probably more interested in. He did talk about how the team is, quote, doing well, um, but he acknowledged that they're not at the top of the league nor at the bottom of the league. Um, he also uh, noted that the team is without Mitchell Robinson for the next four weeks, which I think was noteworthy because we were under the impression that he was like, you know, he had to be right away in three weeks. You know, we don't know what that means. Sort of when he were trying to play, perhaps Dolan maybe giving you a hint saying that it'll probably be four weeks when he actually gets back on the court. So noteworthy there. Um, he said the team has to essentially tread water with him being out for this time. So a lot happened in this interview, Tommy. I, I, my feeling on it is like, I just don't know, understand why James Dolan does this to himself and does this to like the organization. Like you got to have these beefs with, lawyers or whatever like i don't i think the, the 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 banning of the lawyer seems a little ridiculous to me but whatever Hot, handle that in courtrooms handle that behind closed doors like i don't really understand what the purpose was for him to decide i'm gonna go on good morning new york and you know come up with flyers and talk about you know we need to handle bail reform and crime before we talk about this msg policy like I just don't get it. I don't get it. The team is things are going well for the Rangers. He acknowledges, in his opinion, things are going well for the Knicks, which was controversial. And I asked you about that in a second. But I just don't see what favors he did for not only himself, but for the company as a whole and the Knicks, who we care about as a whole in this interview. So I don't know why he did it. Like it just like the fact that this became the story. I'm thankful the Knicks had a huge win because otherwise, this is what people would be talking about. It, he didn't do himself any favors, and it makes zero sense. It's a, you know, it, 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 it reeked of a spoiled billionaire publicly airing grievances that, again, you all I could think of was that Jonah Hill meme where he's just, you know, where, where he's just going. Like, <laughs> yeah. All I could think about was Dolan Lawyers just going, dude, just you don't have to say anything. And somebody in a limo with him on the way to five. And remember, let's stick to the talking points, talk about how well the yeah. Knicks are playing and ticket sales yeah. are up. And, you know, but again, he just can't, he gets in front of that camera and it, you just knew something bad was going to come. Honestly, when I heard the, in the morning that he was going to be on the show, that it didn't end up worse than it did. I think at this point, <laughs> part of it is, you know, uh, pundits assume he's going to say something ridiculous. He, you know, basically did. Um, and, you know, Senator uh, uh, Brad Hoyleman Seagal had, had responded, yeah. uh, basically saying Dolan is the poster child of child privilege as someone who inherited his wealth and receives an annual $43 million tax break from New Yorkers. Given Dolan's condescending attitude towards the rest of us, it's not surprising that he's taking to criticizing the clean the clean the slate bill to give New Yorkers a criminal convictions a second chance, etc. Um, again, he's wading into waters that that he doesn't belong in. That's not his yeah. lane. Um, you know, it's just it, 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 it. There's no benefit. There's no substantive benefit. It's not going to sway people's opinion on bail reform by having the own billionaire owner of the of the of the right. Nixon Rangers. You know, comment on it. Um, it's just a a, a senseless uh, uh, decision to to put yourself uh, front and center in, in a debate. And and listen, the Knicks have more losses than any team this century. That just so happens to coincide with the time that 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 Brunson started owning the team. Is it directly correlated? Yeah. That's probably a bit of a stretch. Have the Knicks had zero success in free agency? Yeah, I mean they they haven't landed a big fish. They play in the biggest market on planet Earth. And they haven't landed a, a major superstar free agent. A lot of that has to do with the world being flat. And you can sell shoes in Oklahoma City that you couldn't do 20 years, 30 years ago. We get all that. That being said, if you if you read, if you listen to, you know, like kind of listen to the subtext, and some people come out and say it, <coughs> Kevin Durant, you know, New York not being cool, et cetera. Yeah. Um, LeBron James has kind of noted the same things. 
it is playing for Dolan, even though he'll make you rich, is not it does not appeal to a lot of players in this day and age, socially conscious players. We know Dolan um, contributed significant sums to the Trump administration and, and Trump campaign. So um, there's a way of, of separating yourself from these these controversial opinions and, and, and topics. Um, again, that just there's no real I couldn't find any point being served by him entering into that conversation. Yeah. And then, you know, again, you hear him talk about crime and bail reform. And, you know, you remember uh, the Knicks response and MSU's response to the George Floyd protest and how it was. Well, you know, as a company, we, we can't you know, we're, we're, it's not our place to to wade into social issues. It's like, well, I guess you're willing to wade into social issues when it comes to people yeah. suing you or people upset with policies. And then you'll say, well, what about bail reform and crime? You know, so so that was a little, you know, disappointing, I think, to say the least. Yeah, I, I, you're right. Like everything you said, I, I agree with. I, I just, I just wish that everything, like everything, was fine before he started talking. Like yes. nobody was mentioning him. Like he had the. There was this issue with his facial recognition thing. It was a story that people were covering. It wasn't like this was some front of the paper news. Right. That people right. were like, it was not this major issue. Like I can understand if it was some kind of crisis happening yes. at Madison Square Garden. We said, okay, I have to say something. This was not a crisis. This seemed like. He just was really annoyed that this yes. story was not going away. It, it, it was not front page news, but it wasn't going away. This thing kept, you know, being kind of persistent and people kept pursuing further, you know, stories about people who didn't get into the garden or had to be removed from games. And, like, and, uh, and, keep, and keep in mind, none of us were expecting him to say anything, you know, for better know, or for yeah. worse. The, the, the Knicks have, have made a living by ignoring the press and, and, and not addressing legitimate, you know, controversial subjects. Is the coach going to get fired? Is that, right. is the, is the, you know, is the owner happy with the, you know, they, the, the, uh, Leon Rose ducks media at every, every possible turn. Um, you know, the front office doesn't speak to the press, doesn't address controversial, you know, and issues that the fans would like to hear from them on. Nobody's clamoring to hear James Dolan's opinion right. on, yeah. uh, obviously we know what his opinion is. To your point, have your lawyers address it in the court of law um and, and and have it settled that way as opposed to you know in in just basically petty and extra that that wasn't yeah, it just seems like whenever it seems like for for james whenever there is some thing that he takes personally that's when he wants to step out like the last time i i remember him doing like a real sit down interview that wasn't you know he did one with new york one that was like more about just like the stuff happening at master garden but like it's tough where he's kind of addressing some kind of issue he went on ESPN in New York to talk to Michael Kay about Charles Oakley. You know, that he had the whole he had the binder with the talking points yeah. televised interview. And it's like because that was a personal grievance, that's when he felt like, well, now I have to step out. I think these, you know, the people that are saying that this these policies are are you know are draconian, he, he's taking that personally. So that's when he said, Well, now I have to step out. I think right. the stuff about, you know, oh well, you know, are the team gonna fire the coach? Like, he doesn't take that personally. I mean, he kind of mentioned uh, during this interview that, you know, if he doesn't sell alcohol at a game, number one, he mentioned he doesn't drink anymore because he's almost 30 years sober. Congrats to him for being sober. But I think it told him that he's thinking about himself in that regard. But also, he's like, people are going to show up. And I think that that was part of the frustration that you saw from some Nick fans from the interview that didn't give a damn about any of this MSG facial recognition stuff. Uh, there were some people frustrated at Dolan's content about where the Knicks are right now, where some people would argue they're in purgatory. They're a team that's not quite good enough to win a title, not uh, bad enough to get a franchise changing player. He said himself that they're not at the top of the league, but they're not at the bottom of the league. And he seemed to be fine with that. Like, are, do you feel like it was fair for some fans to take on, take beef with that issue that he was seem to be content with where the Knicks are? And this was obviously before the Knicks had this huge win on uh, Thursday night. Right. Yeah, I think it's understandable. You know, I, again, to to his credit, he has stayed out of basketball affairs from from everything yes. we've seen and heard. You know, hasn't been obviously there was the, the the pinnacle of it was getting involved in the in the Carmelo Anthony deal with Denver and, and kind of pushing the envelope and basically overriding, the, you know, his counsel and, and the front office and, and saying this is the deal. Um, whatever they need to get it done, we're getting it done and he's coming and playing he's going to be a nick within days and hours um since then it seems like he's you know he's vowed to take a step back and it certainly seems by all outward appearances that he's done just that we haven't heard any rumblings we haven't heard anything behind the scenes 
Um, you know, he's kind of washed his hands just like he did with the Rangers. It led to success. Um, he's kind of following that same blueprint. He's also not one of the owners that belly aches about, you know, luxury tax. Um, yeah. you know, his, his family's worth billions and, and they don't, you know, they're not, they're, they're not looking to skimp on, you know, while charging $18 for a beer to, you know, to worry about paying an extra $37,000 in, in luxury tax. So, so credit to him in that respect. But yeah, I mean, I mean, to your point, um, it's a personal grievance. If he wants to discuss something, talk about the fans. Um, what's the, the network that hasn't had you know, the network in Jersey that hasn't been able to watch Nick games for the last, like right. since the start of last season, you know, like those fans want to watch the Knicks, right. um, you know, yeah. because of the beef with MSG and, and MSG networks and the, and the amount that they're charging the RSNs, um, you know, that, that, that those fans haven't been able to watch Knicks games. That's what, what, what far more fans are worried about that than a couple lawyers, you know, and, and I understand lawyers being upset that they're being you know, profiled. Yeah. Um, but again, it, this is not the biggest deal in the grand scheme of things if you're going to talk about something and looking to you know it, it's it's i think maybe he thought like i'm going to get the fans all fired up about this right and gonna, i'm going to start some kind of campaign but fans could care less you know so it's just yeah again it was senseless. yeah it's very weird because it's like you, you're right like this whole there have been i i saw some media folk being like you know people should be more outraged at this facial recognition thing that's being used to ban people and i think nick's fans mostly kind of just shrug their shoulders they're like I mean, whatever. Like, it definitely seems weird. Yes. I, I don't think I don't think anybody really agrees with it, but they're just right. like, look, like, whatever. We're, we care about the Knicks, right? And like, now he comes out and then he speaks, and now he has more fans upset at him for speaking about this and then other topics. He weighs into the Knicks team, the way the Knicks are playing, and people are social issues, and people are upset about that. It's like you were totally fine just moving on, not addressing any of this, but. Like I said, whenever it becomes a personal thing for James, that's when he feels like he has to step in. So the owner spoke. Uh, I don't know when the next time we hear from him. It'll probably be a long time. I'm assuming there are plenty of people at the garden that are probably like, dude, please don't do that ever again. And he'll go another two years not speaking, and then we'll, something will happen, and we will hear from him again. But nonetheless, let's uh, move on to this big game the Knicks have on Saturday. Uh, Knicks will look to build on to their two-game win streak. When they take on the Nets on the final day of the NBA's Rivals Week, Nets lost to the Pistons at home Thursday night while playing the second end of a back-to-back. They had lost a close one to the Sixers the previous night, then lost to the Pistons at home on Thursday. The team remains without Kevin Durant, who is said to be progressing well from his MCL sprain, but is two weeks away at least from returning to action. In the time he's been out, Kyrie Irving has been on a tear. He scored 40 points Thursday night and is averaging 37.2 points per game in his final five games. So the Nets still remain a threat even without KD because of how well Kyrie's been playing. Let's start with Kyrie. Uh, how do the Knicks slow him down? Because I think that that is really going to be kind of the end-all, be-all of whether or not the Knicks can win this game probably. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. No question. Kyrie's the head of the snake. Um, you got to cut him off to, to give yourself a chance to win. Um, they have some other contributors. Nick Claxton has been playing by far the best basketball of his career. Yeah, um, great 27 so 13 last night, I believe he finished up with. Um, he's been really playing at extremely high level. So so uh, Sims and, and Hardenstein are going to have their, their hands full um, with Claxton. He's been beasting lately. Um, but yeah, listen, uh, we know about Kyrie. We know about the offensive skill package he brings to the table. Um, dude is, is a, is a dynamo when he's locked in, uh, especially on the offensive end. Um, you can take advantage of advantage of him, uh, defensively. Um, but, uh, again, that's our, I think it's two and six in the eight games they played without KD. 
Um, yeah. So there's there's definitely some some there's an opportunity here for the Knicks to to win another game on the road. Um, also, again, worth noting, Knicks above uh, five games over 500 um, on the road this season. Only two teams with better road records are the aforementioned Nets and the Celtics. Interestingly enough, um, so you know going into Barclays is certainly not something that's going to intimidate um, the Knicks, and that's typically a home game for for the Knicks anyway. Um, you know, yeah. historically in the past few years, plenty of Knicks fans come out, and especially with the Knicks playing well. Um, you know, and, and the Nets without KD, I could see a lot of the Net fans heading out to Barclays on, on Saturday night. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, you gotta, um, you know, Grimes is gonna get a shot at him, IQ is gonna get a shot at him, McBride's gonna get a shot at him, and that's what I'd do. I'd run those three guys, um, almost successively, you know, take turns, switch off, um, you know, do what you can to kind of wear them out, have Brunson go at him if, if, if Kyrie's guarding Brunson on the, on the other end. Um, He'll probably switched off on onto Grimes, but um, if if there's opportunity presents itself, um, if it's if it's Grimes that Kyrie's guarding, have Grimes run through a lot of screens, yeah. set him up for some open looks. And again, even though we didn't shoot relatively well last night, um, uh, Barrett was also six for eighteen. So something we've also talked about: give some of those shots that Barrett takes, especially some of those contested looks, and 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 see if Grimes can get some looks as well. So um, that's the thing, you know, make him work. He's going to get his points. Um, he's averaging what 35 plus, you know, over the last eight games without KD in the picture. Um, but again, just make him work for it and then make him work on the other end. Kind of similar to Trey Young, how, how the, how the, how the Knicks yeah. Trey Young. Yeah, you're right. I think that, you know, the Knicks in some ways, I think they're they're fairly equipped okay to guard point guards because yeah. of the guys they have. Like, even though Brunson is not the most he's not a great defender at all. But everyone else that plays essentially in that backcourt is, you know, you got McBride, you got IQ, and then you got um Grimes. So that's three guys that will have a crack at Kyrie and Kyrie's going to probably get a pretty nice number because he's got a uh, car blanche. Now that Katie's out to shoot as much as he wants and he's an extremely talented offensive scorer. So he's going to get his, I think the, 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 the importance is to one, keep it somewhat limited. Like even for the Detroit, just keeping them the 40 was probably a win for them because as long as they kept in the 40 and kept everyone else in check, that's what that was a recipe to winning. Like, you got 27 from Claxton in the last game, and uh, and then Summer coming on the bench had 24. But then no one else had double figures. So, you know, they really they kept it to three guys in that game. The Knicks can do an even better job making sure that you don't have a Claxton or a Sumner come out of nowhere and have a big game like that. That it, would be just, huge. It's it's getting to the point where so, on certain nights it's impossible to watch Ben Simmons and not wonder what on earth happened. Scoreless yeah. last night, uh, sat out the second half with, with knee pain, but 0 for 3. There are, are games where you watch this dude and it's just like, how on earth was that? A, you, fresh uh, as, as a rookie, I mean, he was, you know, 18, 20, 22 a night, 22, 9 and 8 on the regular, you know, uh, dunks. And it's yeah. just, it, 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 is, it, it is an amazing story. Um, we'll see if he plays, um, you know, and, and uh, Jacques. Right. One, um, if you look, if you if you check those quotes from his post game last night, he took some some I want to say veiled shots at Ben Simmons, but they weren't even that veiled. He was basically yeah. he asked him, um, you know, did you expect him to sit out, or you know, is is, is he not, or just he's not going to be able to play, you know, going forward? Um, you know, he basically said there are other guys that played 40 plus minutes on the back end of a back that bat, you know, on, on the second night of a back to back. So either you're, you're ready or you're not. And we'll kind of see going forward. So it's, it sounds like um, uh, Vaughn and then the Nets are kind of getting fed up with Simmons as well. Yeah. I, I feel like some of this is that Ben, I don't think, you know, who am I to say, but I don't think he's been uh, managed well by the folks at clutch sports. I think that how they kind of handled the Philly situation and the exit, I feel like it has further shattered his mental toughness, his mental confidence. This was a guy who was a legitimately a great player. Like yes. I've always been a Ben Simmons fan and to see what he's become now where he lacks confidence, he doesn't want to shoot. Um, you know, he gets hit in the face yesterday and then he's saying I have a bad knee. That's why he leaves the game. You know, it's, it's just stuff doesn't add up with, with what's happened. And, and, I know we could say that that series against the Hawks happened, and yes, it did happen. But I just think the the mental anguish they sent him through with how they decided they were going to get him out of Philly did him no favors. And now you're seeing a player who's essentially a shell of himself, and it's sad because like I take mental health stuff seriously, and he says that he's someone who's dealt with mental health issues. So when you see a guy look like this, and you see his mental health, and I see well, who are the people that are around him, yeah. and I see how they handled the most important part of his career, which is deciding that he probably couldn't play in Philly anymore. They handled it, handled it 
like a circus. Uh, this is not what you have in him, and, and that's unfortunate. So I, I I blame Rich Paul and Crush Sports for some. Obviously, Ben Simmons has to take some accountability as well. He's his own man. But for some of what has happened to Ben Simmons uh, this season. So, yeah, if, if he's playing, I mean, even if he doesn't, like, he's gotten to a point where it's like, if he plays, I don't know how much of a factor he really is. If he doesn't play, I don't know how much of a factor that is. Like, he's he's like a wild card. Like, I mean, the Philly game, he had zero in the first quarter. He had a great third quarter. He did. He looked for like a, a quarter. He looked good again. Yeah, he looked great. And then it was like, and then they didn't play on the fourth quarter. So I was like, all right, I guess, you know, they, I guess they still didn't feel that much confidence in them to put him out there for the fourth quarter. So, yeah, the, the whole Ben Simmons thing is a whole, is a whole, you know, is a Rubik's Cube to try to figure out what's going on with that situation. But uh, I do think matchups to watching this, I think, will be Sims and Hardenstein against Claxton. Like, I know a lot of people will run to, like, Kyrie Irving, but, like, Claxton is playing so well, and right now he's their second-best player now that Ky- KD is out and Kyrie is taking the mantle as the best player, and Ben Simmons is doing whatever he's been doing recently. Um, the Knicks playing a younger player, obviously, to start, and then Hardenstein, who's been uh, playing much better of the last two games, but has been terrible for a while. Like, they can't afford Claxton to have a 27-point game like he had in that, in that previous one. Like, keeping him in check and keeping their uh, defensive assignments in check because Claxton, he can kill you on the glass. He's a great as a role man. He's great running the floor. So, like, he's going to be important. Like, he, he's someone that has to be near the top of the Knicks scouting report. A lot of that is going to have to do with how they cover Kyrie and the pick and roll action. But um, making sure Claxton is kept in check is going to be crucial. He's had a really good season. It, totally. And uh, the other thing I'm, I'm interested to see is how the Knicks handle it when Claxton goes on the bench, because they don't really have another big, you know, they, yeah. don't, they don't really have another true center. Um, you know, TJ Warren will slide over, play some five, Markeith Morris. Um, you know, they, they they really don't have another, you know, true, you know, standard five. Watanabe sometimes will, will kind of play a stretch five. So that being said, I'd like to see some Randall and Obi. I know we sound like a broken yeah. record. <laughs> like you know, and I also would have liked to have seen it last night again, because outside of Rob Williams, um, you know, they'll they'll play Grant Williams at, at the five. And that would have been another, you know, kind of situational um, uh, opportunity, I thought, for for uh, Randall and Obi to get some some four or five uh, Randall at five time together. Um, so we'll see if it happens. We'll see. It should it should be a good one. Knicks Nets. You know, I'm not sure how much of a rivalry it is per se, but the fans care about it. I think yes. that, that to me is all that matters. You know, it's funny. You know, listening to that TNT pregame again, and Charles Barkley's kind of laughing at the notion of Knicks and Nets, Knicks and Celtics being a rivalry. And you know, to me, it's like, look, the fans care, then it's a rivalry. I don't care what the win loss record is. Like, you know, in you know, in basketball, I know K State won this year, but like, you know, Kansas State. Has been getting drugged by Kansas for like 60 years, but don't tell someone from K State that that's not a rivalry. So, with the Knicks and Nets, while the Nets have been a, a better team, and this rivalry has been weird because it's been really no playoff thing, and the Nets are clearly the second team in New York. The fans care about it. Knicks fans care when they play the Nets, they want to win these games. Nets fans certainly want to win these games against Knicks. So, I'm looking forward to the game, and I think it's an important one for the city. A hundred percent. And, you know, like Twitter's not a great barometer because it skews to a younger demographic um right nick's twitter certainly cares nets twitter yes. certainly cares about these matchups um and the players care um kd has you know is, is loud frequently a, a you know he doesn't just ignore the team across the river he takes shots at the knicks whenever he can so therefore that generates a lot of ire from from knicks fans um you know spencer dinwiddie kind of did the same thing you know riled up nick fans so um you know that it means more to the players um, than, than, you know, than, than, than a typical average game. So, um, yeah, I think this was one where, um, especially the Knicks coming off their victory, um, the Nets kind of, you know, reeling a little bit, um, having lost four or five, um, certainly looking to get back on track and just kind of keep their heads above water until KD returns. Um, this one takes on a little added importance. Knicks, Nets, Saturday, ABC, 530. Make sure you be there or be square for that one. That's going to do it. For this edition of Orange Blue Bloods, Tommy, let people know they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. You can find me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, Action EJ on Instagram and TikTok. Thank you guys for checking out this edition of Orange Blue Bloods. Again, you can catch all these episodes wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Aussie app. Make sure you hit the auto download feature on this channel so you can make sure you get the episodes whenever you drop. Um, but that's going to do it for this week. Have a good weekend, everybody. Thank you guys for checking us out. Tommy, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.